This episode is brought to you by the Weight Inclusive Business Workshop. Morgan and I are hosting a two-day business workshop on September 29th and 30th. During these two days, we'll cover the importance of laying a business foundation that'll set you up for success, business strategies to keep you on the path to success, business finances, marketing, customer experience journeys, systems so that you can work smarter, not harder, and you guessed it, the Enneagram and how to use it as a business tool. It's a mix between learning and doing, so you'll walk away from our time together with things checked off your business to-do list and a brain full of information. September 29th and 30th are the dates and registration is open. And if you're a dietitian, we do have CEUs pending. You're not going to want to miss this. Head on over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com to register. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive in to today's episode. What's up, Weight Inclusive Innovator fam? We are back, and today we're going to be chatting about being burnt out in business and how we have moved through it and tools that we're learning to continue to move through it because it's kind of inevitable as an entrepreneur sometimes, and it's very sneaky if you are not on top of it. But before we dive into today's episode, we're going to do a little check-in, and I have a new question for you today, Hannah. If you could go back and relive one moment from your last week, one moment in business and one moment in personal, what would it be? I love a random question and being surprised, but at the same time, my heart is like beating of, oh my gosh, what is the question going to be? So for personal, I would say, so I actually baked this week for the first time in a bit. Actually, I'm a regular cookie baker, but I baked a cake. Look at you go. I know. So I baked a German chocolate cake that is my friend Carly's recipe, their grandma's recipe, actually. Oh my God, I'm amazing at baking cakes when I follow a recipe. And so my moment from this week would be when I took the first bite of cake yesterday and holy shit, I'm like, I don't know if I'm biased or what, but this is the best cake I've ever had. It was so good. It is still good. Like I still have some. To eat. Oh, heck yeah. Oh my God. What I'd give to be in Denver right now to eat German chocolate cake. Oh my gosh. Like the icing from scratch, like boiled over. I don't even, I don't even remember what all went into it, but like, That's it's incredible. not just icing from a can. It's like actually boiled and then cooled and everything mixed in. Felt like a, a proper, uh, bakery chef. Whenever you said I baked, I was like, Oh my God, I baked too. I made muffins, not a cake. Very different <laughs> than a cake. It was, okay. it was like muffin mix from a box, but I also Anything that I have to be so precise in measuring, which I don't really know if you have to be that precise in muffin mix. I don't really know. Anything with precise measurements, don't love. I need like a little sprinkle here, a dash here, a splash here, and then I'm good. Yep. Well, and I I feel like muffins are not that different than cake. Muffins are kind of like drier cupcakes without icing, which makes them a little boring, but muffins are great too. 
Like what a yummy, <laughs> yummy snack, yummy breakfast item. Yeah, they've been a great snack, a great snack and and breakfast item when paired with my iced vanilla lattes every morning. Yes. Okay. So my thing with baking is I actually kind of like the preciseness of it because it allows me to hyper focus on it. So that mm. to just do one thing or occupy myself, so I'm not like all over the place. Then I have to be in a certain mood. But that's what I like about baking. So in Denver, we're at 5280 feet we're at altitude. So you have to like take that into consideration with baking, which I did, but I also didn't. Cause I was like, I don't know what exactly this means. I know it's just going to affect it. So I'm going to keep my eyes on it. And it's like, it came out perfectly of the pan. So fucking moist. It's like one of those cakes that you put sour cream in as a secret ingredient. Mm. That it, so it is so good. So I'm probably going to make one again soon. <laughs> Cause I don't think this will last more than two days, honestly. The cake. Yes. Or the That's desire it. to bake. We are. Oh, uh, both, both. <laughs> definitely the cake. I, anytime I'm having dessert, which is very often, probably at least once a day, I don't want, I'm never going to be a person who's like, Oh, let me finish off my meal with a couple bites of cake. That would feel so satisfying. I'm like, I don't care how full I am. I always want a giant face sized piece of cake. And if you try to give me a sliver, I will lose my shit. Like give me a whole big piece. That's what I want every single time. Um, so we're eating big old slices over here and loving it. I love that. It makes for a great appetizer. I feel like if I know I'm going to be eating like a really satisfying meal, but know that I, cause I'm the same way. I always want dessert. I'll like eat dessert first. Ooh, <laughs> dessert first situation. Yes. I did oh, yeah. have cake for breakfast. Oh, the best. So good. So good. Okay. So that's a personal moment. What about business? A moment I could relive in business. That one's a little bit harder because I don't know that anything super profound was going on in the last week or anything super profound happened. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge moment or whatever. But one thing that comes to mind is I had a really good conversation with one of my employees who um, was just saying, like, was having a hard time with something, came into work, got to see clients and do the work that she loves to do. And that makes her so happy. And she's so grateful to be part of our team. And just hearing that as a boss is all you could ask for. And I would relive that conversation over and over. And I hope I hear it more too. Cause I mean, when you have a team, if you're being an effective and helpful leader, like you care about their best interest and always have them top of mind with decision-making, thinking about how things affect them, really caring about them personally and professionally. And I really embody that. And so to hear that my team feels that is just like all I want. I love that. Yeah. Is words of affirmation your love language too? No. I mean, I feel like anyone, like, even if it's not your like number one love language, like it never hurts to hear that. Yeah. Words never hurt. I mean, words can hurt in certain, like words are helpful to hear. Yeah. Also, love languages is so interesting because I feel like so many of them overlap. So, for example, like when someone says something like that, it's not about affirming me. It's about feeling seen. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, And so I wonder if that kind of goes more with like quality time. I don't know. Yeah. Like if someone's like, you're doing a great job, like that never really feels helpful to me. Mm. It's like I'm doing the job that I'm doing and I. I, it's 85%. It's always going to be 85%. But when someone is like, 
I see everything you're doing for us. And I appreciate that so much. And it's so genuine. It's almost more like a gift to me. If you wrote that in a card and gave it to me, that'd be like the fucking best thing that I ever got. So that's where I'm like, all the lines kind of blur with love languages. But yeah, I could see that. Oh, yeah. well, good. I'm glad you had the warm and fuzzies from that because you definitely deserve it. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm going to obviously ask you these questions back. Tell yeah. us about your personal and business best moments in the last yeah. that you would relive forever. Last week was another super low energy week. Warning, we're going to be talking about periods and menstruation. I've done, I know we talked about this on, the last, on a past episode, but I've dove into energy levels during menstrual cycle more. And in the luteal phase, which is like post ovulation up until you have your next period, but like 14 day window, you're more low energy. And so I'm chalking it up to that. And I have a little tracker now related to that. And so wait, do you have a general idea of like the whole cycle that you can give us a TLDR on? (laughs) Um, potentially, Potentially. Okay. So Please correct me if this is wrong. It's also hilarious that not, it's not hilarious. It's kind of hilarious. We've gone through how many science classes are in our lives, especially as nutrition majors and like have been women with periods our whole lives and like not our whole lives, but a good chunk of our lives. And we don't know this, mm-hmm. but it's like general knowledge. Like I, why this isn't more common knowledge. Anyway, it's a whole other round. Okay. So your cycle is usually like 28 to 35 days long. Starting with menstruation, going until ovulation is your follicular phase. And that is when, so when you're like on your period, which is usually like what, three to seven days, you are supposed to like rest because you're bleeding, like let your body rest. And then you're like creative pondering. And then right after that, up until ovulation, you're supposed to have like most, this is where you have your most energy. And so um, a lot of doing a lot of creativity, which I am in right now. and like super feel that like I, I've, I've been like waking up at like five 30 in the morning for funsies. And like last week I like, couldn't get out of bed before nine. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Okay. So then you have ovulation and then the rest of the cycle is your luteal phase. I couldn't tell you anything about like when each hormone is high and low, but that's kind of like the general So like first 14 days, menstruation, follicular phase into ovulation and then luteal phase for 14 days. Interesting. I don't know why, probably because nobody ever teaches people who menstruate what all everything means unless they look into it themselves. But, and maybe it's just like being on birth control and like, you know, popping the pill since I was 16. It's, I always assumed the end of the, the phase is that's like the end of the cycle, but it sounds like that's the, like when you're on your period, but it sounds right. like that's like the start. I mean, I'm sure you can like flip it any way you wanted to, like, it's still going to be a cycle regardless of where you start. Oh, right. Cause it's a cycle. <laughs> it's a cycle. <laughs> Thanks for teaching us about our bodies. Yeah, of course. So anyway, that leads us back to my personal thing that I'd relive over and over again. Cause not that was I was so low energy last week and I, uh, last Thursday, I like could not get off my couch. I wanted to be a homebody. I didn't want to be social. I didn't want to be out and about. I like tried to force myself to go to work at a coffee shop and like lasted like an hour and then went back home. I came back home and went back to my couch and I was like, you know what? 
my body needs to rest. I'm just going to give into it. Here we are. But then towards the end of the day, I was getting really antsy and was like, oh my gosh, like you're so lazy, like really negative self-talk. Like you're so lazy, like go do something. What are you doing? You have work you need to do. All that to say, I took myself on a solo date to the movie theater. And that was the first time that I've ever done a solo date to a movie theater. How was it? It was incredible. It was so good. The movie was at like 7 p.m., which is like such a great time. I got myself some popcorn. I went and saw Where the Crawdads Sing. I saw that on your Instagram. How was that movie? Oh my God, it was so good. I And like the movie theater is dark. I cried pretty much the whole movie. I also was like all up in my feels before going and then not being able to pull my phone out for two hours and get distracted. I like really got in my feelings because I had nothing to distract me other than like watching the movie. It was so good for my soul. I'd go, I would go and do a solo movie again. Hands I love going to the movies and I love a solo movie. I've just never gone by myself. Was there a good amount of people there? Was it like, it's been out for a few weeks and not really? What was kind of the... It's been out for, yeah, probably like three or four weeks, three weeks. There were probably about 20 people there. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, I mean, I had like no one like right next to me. Um, How was your popcorn? Oh my God, I love movie theater popcorn. It was so good. So good. I always get a slushy or a soda. Mm-hmm. and popcorn. Sometimes yeah. I'll bring my own candy because I'm not trying to pay $5 for a $1 box that you can get at the store. Yeah. Um, but just the, the salty and the sweet, I'm like, oh, yes, this is part of the experience. It was so good. Yeah. I was also craving popcorn. Whenever me and other Hannah were in Denver, we were staying at a hotel downtown and we like didn't know what to do one night, and but we didn't want to like go out and do anything. And so we walked to a movie theater and just bought popcorn and left and brought it back to the hotel to watch a movie from the comfort of our hotel room. It was That's actually fucking brilliant. You guys also picked up like tiramisu on the way home too. It was like, it was just the best thing all around. Yeah, it was great. Okay. I'm going to guess that you went to the Denver Pavilions movie theater. That's right downtown. We walked there. There were a lot of other shops around it. So I imagine it was probably, yes, like a pavilion. And then did you get the tiramisu from D-Bar or where did you go? Maggiano's. <gasps> yep. That's right next to the movie theater. Right next to the movie theater. Yep. Okay. And what's your business moment? In my business moment, I'll keep this one short and sweet. Won't talk about periods anymore. Uh, well, I probably will, but not right now. The moment that I would relive this past week related to business was turning on the automation, the uh, the email nurture series for Superbill. They're up, they're running. I'm so fucking excited to have them like turned on and people going through those series. I have been working on the content for those for months now, not months, but probably months, probably since like May. Um, We've had some changes on the back end. We've been able to add some things in. And so now that things are like feeling pretty stable with like the process. I felt really confident in actually turning the email nurture series on. Um, I learned a new, we have a, we use an active campaign. And so I learned a whole new software in order to launch these and the systems that you can build out an active campaign are the coolest thing that I've ever used when it comes to email marketing. Basically you can do like, you would like tag them with whatever it needs to be tagged. And you can do like, um, if else statement. So like 
if they click on this link in your email, then they get put into this nurture series. If they don't, they you can like build out a second nurture series. So I have like this like tree web of like emails built out and I'm so proud of it. Oh, wow. I know you love that shit and you're so good at I it. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so for, it on. Oh, that is, that's fucking awesome. I, is it from Henry at the Super Bowl? Because I've been getting those emails. It is. It is. But, they are from, they are coming from Henry because he is our, I don't know his official title, account specialist. So basically like if you have questions before signing up for Super Bowl and like want to get, like want to walk through the portal or make sure it's a good fit for you and or your team. He's the go-to guy at Superville now. Um, so yes, I have them coming from him. Sweet. For a second, my brain was thinking Henry was the name of the little character, but now that I'm thinking it's Billy. Billy. Billy's Billy. our little Billy's our little Superbill character. <laughs> um, yeah, the emails look great. And I love the branding for Superville. It looks awesome too. Thank you. I cannot take credit for all of that. I cannot take credit for creating the brand. I can't take credit for keeping it consistent across all things. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um so for people who are interested in doing email marketing and the different servers, we are going to do, um, that'll be part of our workshop. Yes. That we're doing. So yes. if you want to learn about how to do a nurture series and email marketing and touch points, Morgan will be leading us through that. Um, but for our newsletter, we use MailerLite, mm-hmm. but we probably will eventually switch to active campaign because you've really been talking it up and it's the only HIPAA compliant one. It's the only Perhaps. one that you can do a, like a BAA with, okay. which is like okay. what you need in order for it to be HIPAA compliant. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I truthfully don't know. Like if you're sending emails to your clients, obviously you're going to need, and it's like client specific information, but if it's like one of your clients, but they like opt into your email list. Yep. Like, I don't know if you technically need that to be HIPAA compliant because there's no PHI, but there is because it's their name and email, but also like they're the ones opting in and not you. Do you have an answer for this? I don't, but we will add it to our list to bring on a HIPAA specialist to the pod. Yeah. Because, yeah. And I, because I, I love MailerLite, like really love MailerLite, but yeah, we we needed to have, um, since we're dealing with like insurance stuff for Superbill, we needed to have it be HIPAA compliant. And so, um, active campaigns, the one that that we went with because it can be so. Uh, I'm so, I'm sure it was so cool to see the fruits of your labor finally go out and just watch the, the little web of things happen. That's really cool. It's really great cool. Moment. And I, and I am a words of affirmation girl and people have told me how great it looks. So <laughs> gonna, I'm just, I'm just so excited by it. And I get to, um, I have kind of like the base of it set up. And so now that the base is set up, we can start doing more like paid social. I can start working with um, the other Hannah to do uh, a nurture series for providers that have like completed the sign up and yeah. Awesome. Oh, relish in it, friends. I'm soaking it all up. Ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. Oh, burnout. <laughs> and I have definitely experienced burnout in our careers before. I feel like this is something that's becoming. I don't want to say more mainstream, but I feel like the pandemic really brought to life. I would say like the pandemic and like the great resignation kind of combined, more people are talking about burnout, it seems. Yes. And burnout, our old friend that keeps coming back and back. I think burnout's obviously always been a thing. And 
it's almost to this point with people talking about it, there's a little bit of sensationalizing and a little bit of, um, it's just a hot topic, which understandably, and sometimes it it's almost like self-care and how it's like been splayed out to where it's like, what does this even mean? And what are, what are we doing with this information? So I'm excited to talk about burnout today. Yeah. Um, I, so I started reading the book burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagowski, which we'll link in the show notes. And I've been just like chipping away at it. This has not been a fast read. I'm only halfway through it, but the biggest thing that I've taken away so far is the need to complete the stress cycle whenever you are going through day-to-day stressors, because something stressful is going to happen probably every day of your life, whether it's like a big, like a, like a, I know we used to, we usually say like big T trauma, little T trauma, but like a big S stressor or a little S stressor. This actually, I, I heard about them whenever I was doing my like hot girl walks, uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> which by the way, is like, a, I, it's a TikTok trend where like, when you go on a walk to honestly, like complete the stress cycle in the middle of the day or at the end of the day, um, they jokingly call it like your hot girl walk. So anyway, I did a lot of those <laughs> during the pandemic and I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast episode with the Nagoski sisters about burnout and about completing the stress cycle. And it was just one of those moments that just like clicked for me. And I was like, oh, like that makes so much sense. Kind of like when you hear about intuitive eating the first time, or at least when I heard oh, about yeah. intuitive eating for the first time. Since then, because that was what, two years ago, I feel like I've been so acutely aware of burnout that I have a hard time distinguishing, like, am I burnt out because I'm working a lot or do I just need to rest? And like, what Mm -hmm. does the difference look like? Because with both of those, like I'm tired, I'm a little bit more irritable. I might be a little bit more anxious. And so I'm like, okay, like, am I burnt out or keeping with the trend? Is this just a part of my cycle where I just need to rest more? And like, how do I figure that out? Because I feel like it's like a constant push and pull in my mind. And my answer is yes. It's like (laughs) both and all of it and none of it. And I don't even know, like burnout is so, so complex. And I also, I listened to that Brene Brown episode as well. And did you, mm -hmm, I'm sort of what, and that's where I, I haven't read the book yet because I'm like, I'm so burnt out that I can't even read about burnout because I just don't have the capacity. Um, but listening to that episode, I took from it the same, like completing the stress cycle. And that was very like mind blowing to me. I wonder how many downloads that episode has. I bet it's one of the most listened to. It has to be. And it came out at like such good time for your question of what's the difference between burnout and needing rest, which again, it's like, part of the treating of burnout is rest. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it, it probably depends a little bit on how acutely these things or how chronic they feel, um, what it's actually looking like, what you're experiencing. That's kind of where my mind goes first of just like length of time in this feeling. And also like how big is the impact on your life? I, and I, and I think like reflecting back on it, the last time that I that I think I truly felt burnt out was leaving like tail end of my like quote unquote corporate job and moving into entrepreneurship. The first 
three months of probably like, well, three, four months of full-time entrepreneurship, I remember giving myself so much time to rest. Like truthfully, I don't think I was working more than 20 hours a week because I was just tired all the time. And for that, like that lasted a long time, like to the point where I was like, am I in a depressive episode? Like what's Mm -hmm. going on? I've never felt this tired before. I've never felt this like sad before. And I, and it was, and like, I'm so grateful that I had the ability to allow myself to rest because I know jumping from a full-time job into full-time entrepreneurship, like you might not, you might not have that time to rest. It was a long period of time and I did, it did not feel good at all. Um, I think, I think now, like a lot of the times I just, and I just suck at resting. And so just honoring that my body needs rest is like a hard step to begin with. But I, I would say like, I've had like baby burnout over the last year and a half, but nothing, nothing like what I experienced when I left my full-time job. So it sounds like in that example, like it was more intense and longer. And you were kind of questioning, like, am I in a depressive episode right now? Like, versus having a week where you feel low energy, kind of like you speak to being in and out of right now. Right. Which is funny how all of the things kind of align because I feel like I'm just now becoming aware of like the lower energy weeks and I can like pinpoint the last few months, like when I was low energy and be able to equate it to that. That's a great KPI to be tracking is your energy levels. I started a Google sheet. (laughs) And I, okay, I'm going to nerd out for just a sec. I called it Morgan's life tracker. (laughs) (laughs) And I track my energy, whether I was like productive or not productive, whether I was like more in a creative dreaming headspace or more task oriented headspace, my mood, um, my social life, how much sleep I got, how many times I woke up during the night and what type of movement I did that day, if at all, on top of what's what phase of the cycle that I'm in. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. Also, is this you going to a one a bit? Like, like really like zoning in on details and like tracking your life. Would it be a one or would it be a five? Cause I'm not stressed by it. I feel like I just want the data that the fives like. <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds interesting though. I'm cur- I'll be curious. To I also just love, sp- like, I love spreadsheets. I love stuff like this. I've ended up on like track your whole life through spreadsheets side of TikTok, And I'm here for it. Also, I could very much see this being like an Enneagram seven hobby where I do it for like two weeks and then forget about it. <laughs> so don't hold me to it, but I, I'm on day. I, I started it on August 1st. So I'm here on day 10 and when we're recording and woo, we're going, <laughs> you live your best spreadsheet life over there. I have, um, my, uh, business apprentice was helping me clean out my Google drive, which was a total hot mess and in all my accounts. And we found this sheet called Hannah's rewards where I would like put things that I want (laughs) in there. And then as I accomplished big things, then I would buy it for myself. Um, the list only had like three things and it was stupid stuff. So we just deleted that document, but I like my past ideas. Um, let's see. One of them was, um, an art TV, which you see that I have. So I must have that. Um, another one was an expensive pair of boots, but then I realized like, I don't want to spend that much money on boots. So I don't care that much. Um, what was another one? 
Hmm. Oh, a king size bed, which I also did get. Look at you accomplishing all of the things. (laughs) I can't tell you what I tied to accomplishing each of those things, but um, I'll kind of check in quarterly, you know, as we set our goals. And then I'm like, this is what I'm doing this quarter. If I get it done, that's when I can like invest in this thing and have the time to set the money aside. So yes, that was my funny sheet. But anyway, I've derailed us. When was the last time that you experienced burnout? My relationship with burnout is an interesting one because I, I don't know if I can pinpoint any big moments of like, oh gosh, I remember this month where X, Y, and Z I've honestly, and I've said it on the pod before, been out of in and out of burnout the last, mm, I think I was really inching towards burnout before the pandemic started and then face first into the pandemic was in a survival mode of trying to take care of clients, the team, trying to still build the team, trying to like be an entrepreneur still supporting other group practices. And I just started going in and out of burnout because I, it was just such a time where boundaries were all over the place with working from home of like, Oh, I can work at 8 PM at night. If I need to sweet, I can go do X, Y, and Z during the day. Or like, I'm too anxious or whatever about this pandemic to be working right now. And so I'll catch up later. And so there wasn't the time barriers in place of like at five o'clock, I'm fucking done for the day. And I think that's really what contributed. So when I am feeling burnout, it's really me starting to feel all over the place. Like I'll start a task and I'll jump around. Almost my ADHD is so bad. And if you can think of, um, you know, Pac-Man and if you had like two ghosts on the side of Pac-Man or two barriers or something, and then Pac-Man would just like turn in both directions of like, I can't go this way. I can't go this way. I can't go this way. That's what it felt like. Just be like constantly turning of like, I can't get this done. I can't get this done. And then it just burned me out to where I avoid and procrastinate and can't touch anything, sleep in later, dread the next day coming. So I'd stay up later. And I've been in and out of that the last three years. I'm in a, I'm in a good space right now, I would say, because I got back from my cabin trip where I did not work for a whole week or do grad school. And that I didn't know that I needed that so bad. You know, I heard you say kind of nudging those boundaries kind of sets you up for, I don't say failure, but sets sets you up for going into cycles of burnout. If you could reflect back on these last three years and kind of like knowing going in and out, what does it feel like as you're like about to go, like about to like push up against burnout? And then what does it feel like when you're getting to somewhere stable? Like, what does it feel like in your body? Is there like a moment of like an aha moment of like, yep, I'm in a cycle of burnout and here's the three things I'm doing in order to get myself out of it. I have to say, you just asked me a Hannah question, which is what my clients always say when I ask them like five questions in one question. (laughs) Okay. We'll start with this. We'll start with this. So now I know how it feels. Yeah, I know it's a lot of questions. So when you realize that you are like going into or you're currently in like a cycle of burnout, like you are feeling burnt out. How does it feel in your body? And what kind of things, what kind of changes in your life usually lead to that? Okay. So for me, 
and I'm a firm believer. Many people have to go through this. I have to hit burnout or I've had, I've been having to hit burnout to find my limits and boundaries. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur. Part of being a clinician is you don't know what your threshold is until you find it. Mm -hmm. And when you find it, you know, and then it kind of puts you out for a bit. So I've had to gather that data many times over the last few years in order to even know what it is of like, I would just end up there and be like, oh, fuck here again. So for now, I recognize when I overbook myself with meetings, when I'm anxious and stressed about things that are out of my control, especially around people management, um, And when I feel overwhelmed and like, I can't make any traction in anything, those are all indicators that I'm burnt out. Kind of like that, that, like one step forward, two steps back. Like you're like, I do like one productive thing, but then two more things get added to my to-do list. Yep. Which there's always a little bit of that as an entrepreneur, but it's when it's these big tasks that it's almost like I ran out of time and they were past due and I'm like, holy shit, head underwater. And then I have to get through that time because there's things that have to be done. It's like, after that, I'm like, holy fuck, I cannot do that again. I'm so burnt out. I need to take like a week off. And so to tend to myself, cause I'm a firm believer in burnout is going to happen when you're testing your limits and boundaries. It just is. I think preventing burnout is a little bit BS because as much as I want people to do that, that sounds great, but there's, it's almost like it could be seen as toxic positivity in a way of, I can just prevent this thing. And it's like, no, sometimes you're going to be fucking burnt out and you can do everything quote unquote, right. To prevent it. You could take a week off and you could still feel burnt out. So I'm of the mind. How do you tend to burnout? And for me, I realized that's the weeks where I need to slow down my face-to-face time with people and either use that time to catch up on some of these tasks uninterrupted, or I need to do absolutely nothing with tasks. I couldn't agree more with that, that burnout's going to happen. And I, and I, and I, whenever I say burnout's going to happen, and I imagine you feel the same way, it doesn't have to be this like black and white burnout. It can be like, it's just going to naturally ebb and flow. You're going to have busier seasons and less busy seasons. You're going to have more tasks. Like there's just some weeks that you're not going to be able to control. Like the, the timeline just ends up the way that it, that it does. Your calendar looks the way it does. And I have also given up trying to like do everything perfectly to avoid it because it's unrealistic. It's setting that's setting me up for failure in my mindset and more negative self-talk if I don't do it right. And so it's, it's, I've very much gotten into like the the ebbs and the flows of it. And then when it gets particularly difficult is usually whenever I just say like F it to working one day and then do like a Saturday morning at a coffee shop outside of my usual routine to kind of reset that and like catch up on all the little micro to do's that have slipped through the cracks. And I think that's, what's cool about being an entrepreneur is that flexibility. And that's where it actually feels good to go out of the normal boundaries of worked hours because you needed to use time in work hours to take care of yourself and tend to yourself. And you get to make that call in the moment if that's what feels good to you. What do you, what have you found to be helpful as you're ready, whenever you realize that you're in burnout and you're ready to like get out of that cycle to kind of have that reset, what's helpful for you? 
for me, it's overall a systemic issue that I have to look at. And I'm kind of speaking to like my own systems. I definitely want to recognize capitalism, white supremacy, oppression, all of those things impact folks and their burnout immensely. And that is definitely a contributor to things. Um, But when I'm speaking of systems, I'm thinking about how I'm carrying out my day to day. So for example, a big thing that was burning me out for so long is my schedule. I was in so many different brain places of like, I would have meetings with my team on one day and I would also do client work that day. And I would also, you know, try to work on podcast tasks. And then I would do business coaching clients and other stuff in the same day. And what I learned about myself, and I think a lot of people relate to this ADHD or not, but when you're in a certain mindset, it's helpful to stay there. Because there's a difference in being on as a clinician, being on as a business coach, being on for my team, and then doing behind the scenes stuff and switching that many times through the day was burning me out. And so now it's set up to have pretty singular mindsets on my different days of the weeks. One, I remember us talking about that like over a year ago, mm-hmm. but I, I can also relate to that so much there. Cause there's days even now, like, you know, Tuesdays are my onstage days where I take my meetings, but even within those meetings, they're between different projects. And I've realized that like, if I am doing client work versus eating expedition meetings versus whatever, like I, I try to like batch them together because if I have like six different colors in my Google calendar back to back. And it like changes each every 30 minutes or every hour at the end of the day. I'm like, one, what did I even accomplish today? (laughs) Two, how did I make it through the day? (laughs) And what can I do differently next time? Because this is not sustainable. Absolutely. The other thing related to schedule with managing burnout is I am a firm believer as often as I can swing it. And again, it's an 85% system. I cannot do any more than five hours of face-to-face with people in a day. If I can swing that, there's times where often I can't, and I'm in like eight hours of meetings. And those days I'm like, okay, I'm literally fucking doing nothing else if it's this, and this is not going to be sustainable for me. So how did this happen? And what do I need to do to shift? I mean, and you, you nailed it before. Like, unfortunately it takes hitting those limits in order to know what we're capable of, but also being flexible with those limits, knowing that they're going to change as different things come up and go away in our business and in our lives. Absolutely. I have one last thought of what I do to navigate burnout. And then I want to hear what you do. Yes. Um, My last thing is I get really intentional about spending time off of technology because when I'm burnt out, when I'm overstimulated, when I'm in that Pac-Man, like head moving both directions about to fucking pop off, I seek stimulation almost. I don't know if it's self-sabotage or it's just, my brain is already in this overstimulated place. It's like, give me more. And so I, that, those are the times I scroll through my phone or I spend too much time on Duolingo, even though it's great to learn a language, (laughs) but I'm like, I need to literally step away and I'm going to walk over to the park and lay on the ground on my back and just exist. And I cannot be on technology anymore today. So that's another thing that I do to tend to burn out. Whenever you're laying on the ground in the park, do you like listen to music or a podcast or any stimulating, or it's just like complete park noise? 
has to be park noise. It used to be going for walks and listening to podcasts. And then that was overstimulating. Too much too. Well. So I've actually been listening to less podcasts than ever for a while. And it makes me sad because I see the lineup in my iTunes. I'm like, oh God, I really want to listen to these episodes. But when you're burnt out on work, the last thing you need to do is be listening to more things with work. And since our work is so vast of entrepreneurship stuff, leadership stuff, business, finance, it's like, even if some of those are relevant to my personal life, it still feels too close to work. And so I need silence and music. I love, but it, again, it is that stimulating factor. Like I almost Mm -hmm. need the white noise of the park. Yeah. I've been doing more white noise on like finding a YouTube video and putting it up on my TV. I've been doing Mm -hmm. rain outside my window, New York city. (laughs) I love the name. Yes. And it is literally like a sliver of a couch on the bottom and then like floor to ceiling windows with New York city in the background with rain falling. It is so calming. I love it. That sounds lovely. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Like what I, I love music. I love podcasts, but there's certain times where I just have to be like, that's even too much for me. I feel like for me, even in burnout too, I, w- I was just thinking about that. This is not related to anything that we just said, but I am a pretty high energy person. And even when I'm burnt out, like I still have this agitation in me of like, I need to move my body in some way or like, I need to get this out. And so I, often with my burnout, it's planning intentional, like fun movements more regularly that helps contribute to the cutting off of the work day and going to do. So like climbing is really great. Um, going for like an afternoon or evening hike with the pup, things like that can be really nice to, to tend to that too. To complete your stress cycle, complete the stress cycle. How do you navigate your burnout? What, what feels helpful to you? What feels good? And then will you explain the stress cycle and completing the cycle? Yeah, I will do. If you should read the book burnout, (laughs) I will do my best to, to explain like my understanding or like the bits that I've taken away from it. You know, I've already kind of shared a little bit about what burnout looks like in my life. I would say the number one, oh shit moment of like, shit, I'm burnout. Like I need a break is whenever I look up plane tickets impulsively be like, can I go somewhere next week? Like, where can I get a plane ticket to next week? I rarely end up booking anything, but that's, that pattern has persisted so often that that's usually whenever I am like, I, I'm working, like I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself too hard. I don't even think it's that I'm working too much. I think it's that I, am like being too hard on myself about the work that I'm doing. Cause I really don't feel like I work a ton. It's different, right? There's like active work. And then there's like, my brain thinks about work all day, every day. So that's exhausting in itself. But in terms of like actual physical, like doing tasks, I feel like I don't work that much in order to navigate it. I do take trips. They're not always the like super impulsive trips, but that has, that's what I have found to be kind of the best reset for me. And it can be, you know, booking an actual trip somewhere, or it can be like driving down to Galveston, or sometimes I'll drive out to my family's vineyard about an hour and a half away. Like it doesn't have to be like a big, massive trip, just like a change of scenery in order to like throw me out of my usual routine in order to like give myself space to reset because I can't do that all the time, which I, I, and this is the thing is like, I don't necessarily feel like I experience major burnout 
as frequently as I used to. I need to do more reflecting on kind of what that shift has been. Maybe it's just been like the awareness of it, but that, so the trips usually help because I don't have to do them as frequently in terms of just kind of like day-to-day managing the stress cycle. And so what I mean by that is we go through stressors all day, every day, especially as entrepreneurs running businesses, having to make decisions, having to be the boss, having to be the leader, having to be the CEO, like all of these things that we're managing. And so we're going to experience stress throughout the day. And so just because we go through and like deal with the stressors throughout the day and like check things off of our to-do list doesn't mean that the stress has actually like left our body. So we've dealt with the stressor, but not necessarily the stress that our body's still holding onto. And so completing the stress cycle looks like doing something at the end of the day in order to allow your body to like release the rest of the stress, usually in a form of movement, which I know can be a little tricky, like in our industry, but I think movement can also look really differently. Like I love walks. It's really fucking hot in Houston right now. So I haven't been able to do as much walking, but even just getting outside and like doing one lap around my block, I, I count that as like finishing the stress cycle. Cause it's something. And then if, if I've had a really stressful day, doing some sort of like high intensity movement really helps with that. Like I've noticed like that release, there are definitely more pieces of the stress cycle that I don't, um, unfortunately don't have memorized because usually the movement piece is usually the one that is like most helpful for me. And I I like that you say, um, there's kind of nuance and movement isn't the only option and movement has to look different, right? Because we're thinking of folks with different abilities and different barriers and Mm -hmm. things in their body to where they may not be able to go for a walk. But I think like doing something like journaling and having that writing motion or having some kind of outlet where there's a little bit of movement in their, in their body can be helpful for completing that stress cycle too. Yes. So I found the part in the book that I have highlighted because I knew I would need to go back and reference it. So it says, and this is taken from the book, Burnout, The Secret of Unlocking the Stress Cycle by the Nagowski Sisters. It says, physical activity is the single most efficient strategy for completing the stress response cycle. But other ways to complete the cycle are breathing, positive social interaction, laughter, affection, a big old cry, and creative expression. Oof, what a great there we one. go. Lots of options. We've solved burnout. Our work here is done. But in all seriousness, that's usually some form of movement. A big old cry definitely relates to that one. That at the movies? Big old at, cry the at the movies. movies. Yes. So whenever my body doesn't feel like doing movement, I can cry. It's great. <laughs> it's perfect. Those are my two ways to complete the stress cycle. Um, and I, I, like, I truthfully think like, hanging out with friends. So like I'm an extrovert. And so even when I'm burnt out from business, I love being social and around other people, especially I'll put a little caveat when we're not talking about work. Mm, Love that. Important note there. I have one last question for you in business and entrepreneurship. What is the one thing, if you could pinpoint one thing that you feel burns you out the most? I think it's probably pretty similar to yours of the having to switch my hats consistently throughout the day. 
that's the, that's the, that's the one where like at the end of the day, I'm like, what the fuck just happened today? And feeling that like loss of control around being able to do all of my work up to the standards that I want really throws me for a loop. Absolutely. That's actually my number two. I think if I had to, Mm, is your number one, the meet, like the number of meetings, like the social face-to-face. Yes. But as part of that too, it's so my six wing is very strong to my Enneagram, as you know. So I'm very, I'm always thinking about my people, whether it's my clients, my team, my business coaching clients. And cause I really fucking care. Like I just want people to be well doing the job they want to do, building the group practices they want to build. And so sometimes I feel like I hold too much for people. Nobody asked me to, this is all my shit. But when I'm holding too much and going past my threshold of even what's helpful and it's just hurting me, like that's what burns me out the most has nothing to do with anybody else, but my own expectations I put on myself. How do you challenge that? Or do you challenge it? I feel like you probably try to, (laughs) (laughs) um, therapy and business coaching that I receive. I talk Mm -hmm. about it a lot. Yeah. That makes sense. One more resource that I want to share for burnout because I've been getting to do some work with her. So Angela Pryor is a therapist and yoga teacher in our space, and she's located in Dallas, Texas, and she is building out the Compassion Circle, which is a community. It's it's for burnout management for helpers, so like people in the helping profession. Love that. And she hasn't, well, she has one program running right now. She's building out some more. I am going to keep them secret because I don't think I can share about them yet, but I've gotten to see the back end of it and they're really freaking cool. So definitely would recommend following her. She has some really great content and resources for burnout that are also very in alignment with like our industry. Awesome. We'll add it in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators pod. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a business bestie to help us reach more weight-inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.